2. We're looking at verses 1 to 15. Remember, we are preaching through what Paul finished 1 John this morning, but our practice has been to choose a proverb that relates to the passage. So, Proverbs chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. say in defense of myself <laughs> is I didn't mean to. And <laughs> uh, this morning, you know, when he started playing that, I knew exactly what happened. I, I had, uh, I sent the musicians the hymns early, or, or tried to, because we don't always have the bulletin ready before, and and, I, and uh, one of the musicians who was sick, Michael was sick, he caught it immediately. He said, you, do, you meant, what was it, 275, 255 or whatever. And I said, yeah, and I, said, it's, I did write the right, I did write the right uh, hymn, hymn name, but um, some people are number oriented. Uh, <laughs> I will learn from my mistake. I do, I do apologize. I felt bad. I thought my apology would take too long to explain that this morning. So, so and and Ken, to Ken's credit, he recovered so magnificently. I mean, he just the Lord gave him great grace to pick that up and play. We were so blessed with our musicians and Ken's heart, so wonderful. So, praise the Lord. Um, The, the Proverbs are um, a collection of sayings collected, we're told very clearly in verse one of chapter one by Solomon, the son of David. And we know the history of Solomon very well from 
First Kings in particular, um, and we know that uh, he built the temple because David couldn't build a temple. We, we know that uh, he was successful in doing that, and then the Lord invited him to ask for whatever he would uh, in order to uh, uh, bless him as a result of being obedient to building the temple, and we know the famous instance of him asking for wisdom. And so, I don't know at what point uh, exactly in Solomon's life he uh, writes this. Obviously, he has children. He's talking to his son. He's seeking to impart knowledge to his son. Uh, it's at a point where he's obviously walking with the Lord but still. Uh, we know he doesn't end his walk with the Lord well. You know, we, he ends in rebellion, and, and because of his rebellion against the Lord and his idolatry, that the Lord takes uh, the kingdom and divides it between his successors. It won't happen in his life because of God's graciousness to him for the sake of David, but because he has offered uh, sacrifices to the idols in the high places, the consequences are not only um, for his his progeny, they, uh, the future king, kingdom of Israel, and the whole nation, but uh, uh, for him. And so it's a, it is a reminder to us that uh, sanctification, the, the, our growth in grace, is a, it's not just a one-time event. Uh, it is a lifelong process. And so here he talks about the value of wisdom, uh, the value of, of wisdom, and he likens it to a treasure hunt, something that you search for and you seek for uh, diligently. Um, so in our consciousness to think about, I've, I've said many times that my the only TV show I ever watch and is uh, the search the search uh, for a treasure on Oak Island. What's it called? Whatever I forget, I forget the name of it. But this island in Nova Scotia, where there's supposed to be a treasure uh, hidden by the Templar Knights, and they find all these clues, and they have been tracing this and following it for ten years, and they still <laughs> still have, and they've spent millions and millions and millions of dollars on all kinds of equipment. And uh, and things to find find uh, this treasure, but it's that kind of intensity that Solomon is urging upon his son. Uh, seek it like silver. Search for it like hidden treasure, because it's so important. Our Lord Jesus used the same analogy. You know, it's, it's almost strange to hear Jesus teach this exact thing in Matthew's Gospel, chapter uh, 13, when he talks about the kingdom of God. And he says the kingdom of God is like uh, someone finding a treasure in a field. And then he, and then he after he finds a treasure, uh, he hides it again, and then he goes and buys it. 
I always think, I always smile about the ethics of that, but I know it's a perfect story, so I don't know the, the law in the first century, but, but, but that's, Jesus said it's like that. The, the kingdom is so great and so wonderful. You do anything you can to receive it and have it for yourself. And then follow the next, very next verse. He talks about it's like uh, uh, someone who's found a pearl of, of great price and uh, invested everything they have in receiving that. And so it is searching for wisdom. It should be... Uh, be our goal. So was with Solomon when he was invited to ask for riches, power, wealth, military success. He turned. He had God gave him the insight that no, what I should ask for is wisdom. And because he asked correctly, he received all these other blessings as well. Jesus talked about that too in the Sermon on the Mount. Right? Matthew 6, 32, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all of these other things that you're longing after, they will be added to you. Um, so that's, that's, that's what the Christian life should look, look like. That's why we're here tonight. Hearing the word read, hearing it applied. That's why we, we gather in our small groups and our Bible studies and, and uh, our book studies that are based in, in scriptural studies. This wonderful uh, Machen study on this book written a, a hundred years ago. Or is it a hundred years ago? It was written a hundred years ago. That, that book was written. It's incredible. Oh, and by the way, I was wrong. It was, it was not Voltaire. Voltaire was uh, much earlier than 75 years. And you know who wrote 75 years before, philosophically before? Um, 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 Manchin wrote that book, The End of the, end of the, the Pagan Ascendancy. Marx and Engels, The Communist Manifesto. I got, I, I didn't look it up, and I thought, well, I, I missed that one. I would say, I would, I would uh, venture that Voltaire was their inspiration, perhaps, especially in terms of revolutionary thought. But the wickedness that man can make his own paradise on, on earth uh, is nothing new. Man's wisdom, man's supremacy. Uh, and, and Solomon, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, urges his son not to seek wisdom there, but to seek it rather from God. And then in verses 6 through 9, we see the benefits of that wisdom. When the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Um, guarding the path of justice and walking over the way of the of saints. Uh, it's then you understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. How do you get wisdom? Again, Solomon's example. The book of James tells us, right? Chapter 1. If you lack wisdom, what are you to do? You're to ask. 
It's the law of the kingdom. Ask for it. If you don't know what to do and you want to do what is right, which is always the desire of the Christian, you should ask. And it becomes a shield, a protection. It is uh, God's righteousness, God's justice, and every good work that keeps you from uh, being swept away. Then verses 10 and 11 keep going and talk about that, the protection that, that wisdom uh, gives. And there's their heart again in verse 10. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul and discretion will watch over you. And, and as you understand it, it will guard you. It's the wisdom is what protects your soul, what protects your heart. Um, have, you, have you ever made a decision that wasn't wise? I, I do that, you know, on a regular basis, it seems. You know, you think you think something is is going to be a great benefit, a great blessing, and and uh, it turns out to be uh, just the opposite. And this is why ordering our lives after the Word of God, after the principles in the Scripture, and, and seeking in all all our ways to do things right before Him, uh, it protects us. It protects us even when we fail in the world's eyes. Even if we become an utter, complete failure in the world's eyes, in God's eyes, we have been found faithful. If you think about the life of the Lord Jesus, the perfect life of the Lord Jesus, and all, and all of his public ministry and all of his uh, dramatic uh, miracles and successes and, and, and defeats of the Pharisees and, and, uh, and uh, with, with the gospel. And, and here he comes to the edge of Jerusalem where he should uh, receive the kingdom to be more glorious than David or or Solomon ever thought about being, and he dies on the cross. From the world standpoint, from Pilate's standpoint, the ruler, the Roman ruler, from the Pharisee standpoint, the high priest, uh, they've done away with this uh, this woman being. But the the truth is, the wisdom of the world is proved to be foolishness, utter foolishness. We live, in, we live in a world uh, that, that uh, is just as wicked, just as vile as the Roman and Greek Empire, which Jesus appeared and ministered to in his public ministry, in his, in his life, in his 30-plus year life. He, he was raised in a, in a Roman, um, a Roman uh, uh, occupied Roman um, state in the Greek and Roman uh, decadence was 
all around him, and yet uh, he was perfectly pure and wise in all of his ways. And he didn't fail one time in any moral test. He, he was the one who had absolute wisdom. And yet he gave it in our place in order that we might have the Holy Spirit to produce that wisdom in us. And what wisdom does is protect us. It helps, it keeps us uh, in, our, in integrity. It guards us in the paths of justice. It does all of these things and uh, we are not swept away or by the world and its wickedness. This is such a great and awesome promise that no matter what happens to us, uh, from the world standpoint, from God's standpoint, we are kept by Him faithfully. And then we see the deliverance. That should be number four. I didn't start over. The deliverance of wisdom. What are we delivered from? We're delivered from the way of evil. We're delivered from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. We're delivered from those who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil. Uh, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Crooked speech, devious speech. Many of the commandments deal with our speech, not taking the Lord's name in vain, not bearing false witness, telling the truth. We learn in our confessions and our catechisms that's not merely not doing something, it's positively doing everything we can to speak and do righteously. It's not merely enough to not do the negative things that God forbids, we must affirm the positive things. The perverseness of speech all around, the crookedness of speech. If you are, just get a small sample of the world, This has been that way throughout my life. I, 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 um, it, some of you are sheltered, and it's a good thing that you are and have been. But if you get past the church door, get past the Christian school door or the homeschool door, you need to realize there's a wicked, vile world out there. You can't you can go to a secular movie of any kind without the most perverse speech. Imagine the, the calling of, of, upon uh, the netherworld and demonic things and even taking the name of our Lord in vain. I, uh, on that same football field, I used to suck the sprinkler head. Which <laughs> was, I'm looking, probably saved my life. Sure, put that plumbing there and didn't fix it. Uh, 
We, I just say we had a coach who uh, had crooked speech. I'll just say it that way. Hmm. And, but he didn't realize he did. And uh, he caught us all up in the stands, went to give us a lecture one day, and he proceeded to tell us that the Baptist minister had driven by the practice and heard someone taking God's name in vain. And he began to say, you know, I might say this and this and this and this, using the actual words, but you know what? I never said this. And all of us sat there with a straight face, knowing that he had said every one of those things. <laughs> because you can slip into that without even knowing. I, I thought about that many times. I think he didn't think he did. And it's in our heart. If it's in our heart, might as well be on our lips. Jesus said that in the Sermon on the Mount as well. So do you, if you call your brother a fool in anger, it's the same as committing murder. If you say it in your heart, you feel it in your heart, it's the same as saying it out loud. Dal um, Persley's dad, Jim, <laughs> Jim Persley used to describe it this way. He said, if I, if I spit on the ground, it burn a hole in the ground because of holding it back. But that's what we need to do. We need to hold it back. Not to have, to have crooked speech. Not only crooked and not taking God's name in vain, because not only is it taking the actual name of God and using it as, as a uh, blasphemy, famous way to give our words energy, which is a form of uh, um, witchcraft, by the way, It's also, um, uh, our speech is to be a reflection of a heart that's changed. And rather than speaking evil, rejoicing in wickedness, we're to rejoice in the truth and we're to speak words of blessing rather than words of cursing. We're to use our tongues to encourage and to build up rather than to tear down. When I hit the when I read these verses, these last few verses, I think of being delivered from this present evil age we live in. This is if there are if there, these verses don't describe culture, I don't know what does. Who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil. We live in a town where the mayor, those who live in Bayville, where the mayor um, hosted Drag Queen Story Hour, unseen by the public. I don't know of a more perverse thing to put before children and, corrupt, and how corrupt that is. Where people celebrate as something to be proud of, uh, abominations the Bible describes who fly a banner uh, torn from the Bible. I'm, I'm glad for the ad additions of uh, different colors and weird patterns on a flag of the rainbow. I'm, I'm glad no, that that's being disordered to take that incredible sign of the covenant. God taking his 
battle bow and turning it upside down and pointing it away from the earth, reminding us that judgment, his judgment will not come in that same way until, uh, it will never come in that same way across the whole earth where the whole world, the world will be covered by a flood of water and, and taken away. He's turned that, that bow and pointed it to the sky. I'm so grateful for that mercy and that sign that though has been perverted to say that um, that uh, we can do anything we want to, any way we want to, and flaunt God's ways. God will not be mocked. God will bring those things to judgment. We are called in the face of the onslaught where corporations, where our government, where our White House, where our, our most revered institutions are, flat, are flying that flag as a matter of pride, calling what is perverse and wicked good and demanding that we do the same. Uh, we must uh, be faithful in the midst of it. God will deliver us. And that's the promise. Uh, these paths are crooked and uh, are perverse. I, I think of, uh, <laughs> there was no uh, I-40 when I came to our, our Northwest Arkansas 40 years ago. That Some of you are new to town and probably don't even remember the famous quotation by one of the football coaches, Lou Holtz what he said about this area. He says, it's not the end of the world, but you can see it from there. <laughs> and that, that was really what it was like. And, uh, but I remember the, it was a little about 10 minutes faster to go see my, my family. And then our go to, I had to go to Little Rock at Memphis constantly in those days. And it was about 10 minutes faster to go on the pig trail and all the switchbacks, if you've ever been to Mount of the Picture, I don't recommend it other than taking a nice, slow, scenic ride. Uh, it is a beautiful road. But it, I wondered, uh, it, I really think they let a pig loose in me. And it found its way around. I think it was called that way for a reason. Our Highway 71, the old, the old 71, which is the um, most dangerous, for year after year, is the most dangerous road in America. More deaths on highway of the old 71 because of all the trucking and problems. I mean, it was the most poorly engineered curves you can imagine. Motorcycles love it for some reason, but, but in, I've seen 18-wheeler uh, trucks back to the top hit each other from the on the very top because they were both leaning the wrong direction. I said, how in the world did that even happen? The crooked roads, crooked, and the lead that led it to uh, death. Uh, the, the joy of this road, a straight highway that you can just ride up and down is just, uh, just amazing. Well, that's an analogy here that the writer is using, that Solomon is using to describe um, 
describes it in a negative, the crooked ways, the crooked paths that lead to death and destruction. Where Jesus is the straight way, the way, the truth, and life that leads to eternal life. If you're on a crooked path, then um, get off. The Lord's Supper is a chance to refocus on the way, the truth, and the life, and the straight path, which is Jesus, his life in you. And he gives us this ordinary means of grace with the Word of God to focus on him in us and his life in us and all that that means. As we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper, let's consider what new faith and new repentance in Christ as we renew the covenant we, we had when we first believed in Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for um, your goodness to us and your mercy, which is due every morning, your faithfulness, which is so great. We acknowledge how often we don't look up to you, we don't look into your word to hear from you, how often we look down at ourselves and our circumstances rather than putting our faith and trust completely in you. Forgive us, grant us new faith and repentance. Thank you for this uh, gathering, this ordinary means of grace you give us in the word of God, read, expounded in the Lord's Supper. Strengthen us, fill us with joy um, for our walk with you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.